Hi, you're listening to the Blues Hall of Fame podcast, where we bring you the rich life histories of the incredible men and women enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame. Innovators, pioneers, entrepreneurs, geniuses. These are the individuals who not only shaped blues music, but paved the path for all forms of American music that followed. The Blues Hall of Fame podcast is brought to you by the Blues Foundation. For more information about the Blues Foundation, go to blues.org. We continue the series with the acclaimed multi-instrumentalist and defier of music genres, Clarence Gatemouth Brown. Gatemouth was as heavily influenced by the Cajun fiddle music of his youth as he was the slick stylings of Count Basie and T-Bone Walker and the power and punch of Louis Jordan. He was as adept playing drums behind a band and sawing solo on his fiddle as he was leading a jazz orchestra with his trademark Gibson Firebird guitar. In his lifetime, Gatemouth won a Grammy and was nominated for five more and was awarded seven Blues Music Awards. This is his story. The Bronze Peacock nightclub sat way on the outskirts of Houston. An ocean of darkness separated the club from the city lights. Inside, the place glowed. White tablecloths, buffed hardwood, and patent leather shoes. Clarence Brown sat in front of the Bronze Peacock bandstand and wondered, God almighty, what is this guy doing to these people? The people screamed and shouted. Women fell out like funeral mourners. They swung from chandeliers and crashed into walls. This guy was better known as T-Bone Walker. He was the bronze peacock personified, a white suit, slick feathers, and sparkling guitar. Clarence stood as T-Bone slipped the guitar behind his head, revving it as he slowly slipped into the splits. T-Bone landed it as he banged the final note. Clarence was a lanky 22-year-old from small-town East Texas on a hitchhiking journey around the state trying to find his break in music. Nothing in any roadhouse prepared him for what he was about to see. A storm hit the stage. Coins, bills, entire wallets, and finally ladies' underwear flew at T-Bone Walker. This night in the Bronze Peacock showed Clarence Brown a new path. He grew up in Cajun country playing parties with his dad's band. Clarence plucked the mandolin, sawed on the violin, and lately had been sitting in on drums. Once the panties stopped flying, he went up to T-Bone, still stunned at the sight of people swinging on chandeliers, and asked, what make a person do that? Nothing that went down in the bronze peacock escaped the notice of Don Roby, owner of the club and godfather of the Texas night. He stood beside the bandstand, listening to Clarence and T-Bone. T-Bone kind of laughed Clarence off, said, you can't make someone throw a wallet with the drums. But T-Bone was just a small-town Texas boy himself. He sympathized. T-Bone had nothing to worry about from Clarence. T-Bone had two new hit records on the jukebox. He started the Rum Boogie Club in Chicago and palled with Joe Lewis. As Clarence sat beside the bronze Peacock's bandstand night after night studying, T-Bone tolerated him and shared a few scraps, not exactly an apprenticeship, but Clarence picked up E-Natural, on the guitar, and you'd have thought he'd learned to fly. Soon the spring rain came to Houston, cold and merciless, not enough to chill the bronze peacock atmosphere, 
but its star began to dim. After eight straight nights singing himself raw, T-Bone came down with something. Clarence saw T-Bone take the stage. He heard the shrieks building to a crescendo, but before the first note, T-Bone set down his big guitar and hurried back to the dressing room. Don Roby's eyes jumped from a packed house to an empty stage. In panic, he grabbed Clarence. Boy, get up there. It was just the sort of spontaneous combustion that changes the direction of history. Clarence halfway left his body but felt himself walking up the bandstand. He saw T-Bone's axe sparkling on stage. He picked it up. He knew one key, so no decision there. He strapped on the guitar and vamped. He couldn't do this all night, but the crowd cheered him on. They clapped the beat, and the women swung their shoulders, all eyes locked on Clarence. He did the damnedest thing, this kid, who'd clearly been picked out of the crowd, stepped to the microphone. He sang. My name is Gatemouth Brown. I just got in your town. The blues give him that line to repeat, which came in quite handy as he stood in front of 500 people making up the song as if his life depended on it. My name is Gatemouth Brown, and I just got in your town. If you don't like my style, I will not hang around. The women went for their purses. The men reached in their pockets, and the crowd rained its approval all over Clarence Gatemouth Brown. Back in the dressing room, T-Bone Walker found his voice. He marched back out on stage, grabbed his guitar from Gatemouth. Look, T-Bone barked. As long as you live and breathe, don't you ever pick on my guitar again. Gatemouth already was squatted down, stuffing his pockets with cash. He looked up half smiling and said, I'm sorry, Mr. Bone. I don't know what made me do it. Don Roby reacted much more favorably than T-Bone did to Gatemouth's debut. Roby didn't know music, but he recognized that green paper all over the bronze peacock floor. He signed Gatemouth to an exclusive management contract that night and took him to the tailor and the music shop in the morning. They cruised the third ward in Don's caddy. Roby tried to make small talk, asking how Gatemouth got music. Well, I wasn't big enough to go in the juke joint, so I would sit across the street and listen to these blues. My mind would leave my body and travel for miles away, he said. But it seemed like to me it would be traveling to the disastrous part of this man's life. And I said, music's got to be a little different than that. That was enough cosmic talk for Don Roby. The next time anyone saw Gatemouth, he'd be sporting a top hat, tails, and a new Gibson. He ran T-Bone right out of town. While Gatemouth headlined a peacock every night, Roby hit the road to promote his new star. He sold him to nightclubs all the way to New Orleans and returned with a record contract. Gatemouth debuted on Wax the same way he first hit the stage, with a little more practice this time. He named his tune Gatemouth's Boogie. This time, though, no showers of money flooded Gatemouth at the end of the song. My name is Gatemouth, I just got in your town. He spent the next two years traveling along his manager's chain of contacts through Texas and Louisiana dance halls. Roby outfitted a station wagon to carry the band and painted the names of Gatemouth's records on the body. 
Gate made a name for himself the hard way, doing one-nighters at Club Raven in Beaumont, the White Eagle in Opelousas, Skylark Terrace in Corpus Christi, and the Rose Room in Dallas. He got around the honky-tonks, though he didn't make it back to the recording studio. Two years in, Gate had two titles painted on the station wagon. Don Roby wasn't a man known to accept reversal of fortune. When he'd finally had enough of nothing from the record company, Roby told his business manager, Hell, we don't need them to put out Gatemouth's records. Necessity being the mother of invention, just asked the composer of Gatemouth's boogie. This challenge led to a huge breakthrough. Naturally, Roby named his new record company Peacock Records. It was the beginning of the most successful black-owned label of the era. There remained just one minor technicality, as Roby's business manager gently asked, Well, how do you make a record? Without pause, the Don shot back, Hell, I don't know. That's for you to find out. Soon enough, Peacock Records launched with atomic energy an electrifying gate mouth instrumental on the backside of the first single. This sounded clearly like an artist traveling beyond the disastrous part of life. First Peacock Records headquarters were the back room of a liquor store. The company grew so fast, its offices took over the bronze Peacock and put the nightclub out of business. Peacock Records made some of Little Richard's earliest sides and would bring the world songs like Hound Dog by Big Mama Thornton. Eventually, Don Roby's roster of recording artists included Bobby Blue Bland, Junior Parker, Johnny Ace, and O.V. Wright. It all traced back to the moment Roby pulled skinny Clarence Brown out of the crowd because T-Bone Walker caught a cold. Gatemouth didn't turn out too shabby himself. After 10 years, he shed Don Roby's top hat and tails. Brown climbed into his own comfortable cowboy boots and grabbed his old violin. With his trademark pipe clenched between his teeth, Gatemouth became an icon of eclectic American styles. He played Cajun fiddle, electric guitar, mandolin, and even went behind the drums in all corners of the world. Along the way, Brown picked up a Grammy and gained recognition from guitarists as far out as Frank Zappa. He lived by the notion that struck him outside a Texas juke joint. Music's got to be a little different. Thanks for listening to the Blues Hall of Fame podcast, brought to you by the Blues Foundation. The Blues Hall of Fame podcast is produced by Bill Street Caravan for the Blues Foundation, written by Preston Lauterbach and voiced by Guy Davis. For more information on the Blues Foundation, go to blues.org.